Well, we've been going through a series on the book of 1 John, and we are in chapter 4, I am proud to say. So everyone give yourself a pat on the back. We're doing this, right? We're going to be going through um, the book of Deuteronomy after this, which has about 35 chapters. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I would like to one day at a much faster pace. Um, but we've been going through this book where we see the, the, this apostle, this, this man who was really trained up under Jesus Christ himself, and he's shepherding this flock. He's caring for the people of this church and trying to give them a picture of what the gospel looks like in contrast to what some, really some false teachers have been, been teaching. And we've talked about how there were people who left the church because they were false teachers but, or because they, they followed the false teachers. And we talked about how they, they actually, they were teaching things like Jesus is, is not the Son of God or he, is, he did not come in the flesh. And so John is coming to bring correction to this so that their faith might be built up and they might be encouraged. Now, um, I don't know about you, but I grew up in, uh, well, in a number of places, but when I was really little, between the ages of, of one and six, I lived in, in Hartford, Alabama. And if you know where that is, you're, you're, you're from a small town as well. It is a small town outside Montgomery, and I had a super southern accent. Uh, I, I still employ the, the, the word y'all because I think it's perfectly good con, uh, contraction, and, and if y'all disagree, that, I'm the one with the mic. So, um, but I, I lived and I, I, I did a number of things, but one of the things that we had was RC Cola, and I don't know if that's familiar, if you're familiar with it, but, but uh, it's not Coke. It's not Coke, but it's RC Cola. I was a kid. This was, and, and to the kids around, this was when your parents were many parents, I would say, were like, yeah, you can have Coke. You can have a, you can have a, a soft drink, whereas now it's like soft drinks are the devil, um, which I understand. They're, they're pretty bad for you. But uh, I made it through. Uh, all, my, all my baby teeth are, are gone, maybe not because of, of losing them as much as of drinking RC Cola. But when you drink RC Cola, you realize this is a, this is a good drink. But then if you have the real thing, Coca- and, and if you love RC Cola and you're here, and this offends you, then first of all, wow. And second of all, just flip the analogy. But you have RC Cola, and it's, it's okay, but it, when you have the real thing, Coca-Cola, you realize as good as this is, or as, as appealing as it is in the immediate, it's, it's a counterfeit. It's not the real thing. Same thing for Pepsi drinkers. I'm sorry. It's not the real thing. Um, there we go. True believers in the room. Okay. Uh, well, what John is going to be doing in this is he's going to be talking about RC Cola versus the real thing. He's going to be talking about the, the counterfeit, what that looks like, how you can test against it, and then what it looks like to actually partake of the real thing. And, and while a comparison, a lifelong comparison between uh, 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 this cola versus that cola will only result in, in sadness and diabetes, uh, this will result in life, okay? You guys tracking with me so far? All right. We're going to get there, I promise. Everyone stand up. We're going to read 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 together. If you're new, one of our practices is that we stand to reverence the word. We stand to show that we're giving 
honor to the word of God and we speak it all together because it's beneficial for us to one another hear the word of God on the lips of our fellow Christians. So let's read. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The world listens to them. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you've given us a rubric, a standard, a rule by which we can measure what, what true spiritual life looks like, what it means to truly commune with God. And in this culture, God, of, of, of many pursuits and many approaches to spirituality, I, I thank you, God, that you've given us a clarion call, that you've given us a, a clear picture from your word of what it really means to be spiritual. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and teach us from your word so that we might be able to discern rightly what it looks like to live a life centered around the gospel, a life connected to you, a true spiritual life. Bless us as we study your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So just to, to summarize what we, what we just read, uh, John has, as I said, been combating false teachers who have left the church, and these false teachers have been calling into question various aspects of the gospel. So they've been questioning certain aspects of the gospel. If we were to rewind and go to chapter 2, verses 20, verse 22, it says this, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? And he's addressing the audience and saying, You know what? The people who are denying that Jesus is the Christ, they're the liars. Now, what does he mean when he says the Christ? Well, that, that word is it's rife, it's, it's, it's heavy with meaning. It, it means Messiah. And, and you might ask, what does Messiah mean? Well, it means chosen one. Well, what does a chosen one mean? Well, in the Old Testament, God established King David as a king after his own heart. There was some other stuff that came before, but he was kind of a, a prototypical man after God's own heart, heart the, the, the king who would rule under God's authority over God's people. And, and God made a covenant with David, I am going to establish your throne, I'm going to establish your dynasty, there's going to be another king who's going to rule in your place, and your, your kingdom will last forever. That was the promise. And the one who would fall into that category was the chosen one, the anointed one, the, 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 the Messiah, or in the Greek, the Christ. So this was the one. He was the one who was going to be the king. He was going to be the ultimate authority, and his kingdom was going to last forever. That's the Christ. 
And you had people who were coming in to the church and saying, you know what, Jesus, great guy, like him a lot, not the Christ. You know, Jesus, oh, good teacher, very eloquent, very humble, not the Christ, not the king, not my Lord. I will not be following him. I follow Moses. I follow God, but I don't follow Jesus. Those were the types of things that were being said by the false teachers. In verse 2 of chapter 4 that we just read, it says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus uh, is not from God. So there's this idea that they were not confessing that Jesus was, uh, had come in the flesh. You know, oh, you know, Jesus was a great spiritual being. God, he, he, he emanated. The, the problem with saying that Jesus did not come as a man is that it destroys the gospel. If Jesus wasn't a man, wasn't a human, wasn't a representative of humanity, then he could not stand in the place of humanity and take on the, the penalty of sin for the sake of anyone who would believe in him. So they were undermined. This was not, you know, do we baptize by immersion or do we baptize by sprinkling? This was not like, should we have guitars on stage or should we buy an organ? That's not the kind of fight they were having. They were, they were getting at the core of the gospel. And the problem is, anyone who followed that fell out of saving, let me put it this way, they began to believe something that would not save them. I didn't mean to suggest that one could lose their salvation, but they were teaching something that was not salvific. It was not capable of bringing them into a re reconciled relationship with God. And so the penalty for sin still, still uh, stands over them. And so these false teachers were teaching these sorts of things. In, in chapter 4, verse 15, if we were to skip forward a little bit, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is what? The Son of God. God abides in him and he in God. So there was this sort of idea that maybe some of them were confessing that, you know, Jesus was a great teacher, but he's certainly not the son of God. He's not divine. And in the same way that denying Jesus' humanity destroys the gospel, denying Jesus' divinity also destroys the gospel. Because if Jesus is just a man, then he can't save everyone. He doesn't have the capacity to do so. And furthermore, he'd be a liar. Because in his ministry, he certainly led as the Son of God. He called himself the Son of God. And you don't, you don't get saved by a liar. And so we see that these false teachers have been calling a lot of things into question. And in light of these challenges in chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, John is calling his listeners, and, and he calls us today to measure any claim of true spiritual, spirituality by the gospel itself. I'm going to say that again. He, he's going to call us to measure any claim to true spirituality by what standard? By the gospel. By the gospel. We can look at this section in, in three parts. We want to see the, the command that he gives to discern true and false spirituality. The, the contents of that test of discernment. You know, what, what is the test itself? And then the comparison between those who participate in true spirituality and those who drink RC Cola. The command to discern true and false spirituality, the contents of that test, and the comparison 
between those who participate in true spirituality and those who do not. So look at verse 1 with me. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, if we were to just come to this and read it, it sounds kind of weird. Guys, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from... Like, you almost get a picture of, like, you're walking down the street and Casper the friendly ghost comes up to you and you're like, Casper. And then you pull out a pop quiz, like, what's five plus seven? And it's weird. You're like, what are you even talking about, John? But he gives us a hint in the second part. He says this, for... Many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so clearly there were people in the world who left the church, and there's some sort of similarity between spirits and false prophets. And so we can, we can begin to deduce or surmise that, that the false prophets were individuals who were inspired by, who, who had thoughts and ideas and teachings that, that came out of spiritual influence. And the question was, was it a godly good influence or was it a not godly bad influence? So you can almost see John using spirit as, as a shorthand for individuals or messages with, with a spiritual bent. And the question is, is it a right bent centered or coming out of the gospel or is it a wrong bent not coming out of the gospel? So John uses spirits to refer to people who claim to speak on behalf of God as well as the contents of the message. So what's the command that he gives? Test the spirits to see if they are from God. Not everyone who claims to speak on behalf of God is speaking on behalf of God. We know that, right? If, you, if you're working in D.C. and you see a guy on the side of the road talking to himself and saying, you know, the Lord God says to me that I'm going to rule the world. And you can see that he's kind of, you know couple cans short of a six-pack. He, he's, he's not quite there. He's not speaking on behalf of God. But what I think that we would fail to see is that there are a lot of other people and organizations and situations where things are being said in a way that, that has the kind of authority that only God should have. Any standard of morality is a claim to speak on behalf of God. And some of those are good, Right? Your mom raises you, your dad raises you, you know, you can't lie. Don't lie. Don't steal. That's, that's a claim to a moral standard based on what? The word of God. And, and you can basically say the gospel. But there are other standards in the world, you know, where, where just to paint the picture, tolerance, for example, this idea that has shifted from you and I both have the, the freedom to think our own thoughts and have a discussion around that to now tolerance being this idea that um, I am, I'm allowed to believe what I want, and if you disagree with me, that's wrong. That is a moral standard. And, and I would say that's a wrong moral standard that is condemned by this text because it's a standard that sets it up, itself up against God and his standard. Are you tracking with me, sort of you, some of you? That's okay. Um, while we may not have the, the same exact issue that, that John's addressing, we certainly are faced with many people who claim to speak authoritatively and, and they speak about ultimate reality. Not only are we talking about moral standards, we're talking about um, those who have insight into the spiritual. 
I don't know how, how popular Oprah is now, but I know that when I was growing up, and even as a young adult, Oprah was kind of the standard for a lot of people for spirituality. What she said goes, went. You want to know how to get spiritual? Well, well watch the show and find out. There, there are other people who claim, you know, if you do this, you'll be spiritual. If you, if you go out into nature and, and commun- meditation is huge, go, uh, you know, you can go into the app store and find 30 apps on how to meditate. And I'm not talking about biblical meditation where you think about scripture and, and mull over it and, and allow it to kind of wash over you and, and you, you allow scripture to change and transform you. I'm talking about the kind of Eastern meditation that tries to empty yourself and, and open yourself up to anything, which is a bad idea. Because there are things that would love to come in that aren't God. Not only are there people who claim to speak authoritatively, there are those who presently make special claims about Jesus. I mean, we, in some ways, we're exactly the same. Islam believes that Jesus was what? A prophet, but not God. Not the son of God in the sense that we believe that he's the son of God. Mormons believe that Jesus is not God, and he's not co-equal with God the Father. They may use the terminology or language of God, but they mean it differently than we mean God. Jehovah's Witnesses deny the deity of Jesus Christ. He's a good guy, but he's not God. This is the air that we breathe. I mean, if you haven't, if you've lived in Northern Virginia and you haven't had elder so-and-so come to your door and, and ask to have a conversation, then just wait. This is applicable now because, you know why? Because people have not changed and people want spirituality without being under authority myself included. The human condition is rebellion, and rebellion is wanting to be connected to God without being wanting, wanting to be under his authority, wanting to have the power and presence and pleasure and provision of God without having the authority, without being under his authority. So he says, test the spirits, verse 1, and then he gives us the means by which we can test. How do we, okay, John, how do we test? How do we test? Well, it's really simple. Verses two and three say this. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit, every person, every message that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. In fact, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is already in the world. He's saying, You've been listening to these teachers. Any of those teachers who say that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, they are not of God. In fact, they're so not of God, they're anti-Christ. They're against Christ. They have set themselves up as, as enemies of Christ. Now, I went into this kind of expansive idea that, that this is applying to not just this specific issue, but also to the gospel, because although you might not be faced with the challenge of someone saying that Jesus is not coming in the flesh, we have people every day saying certain things about who Jesus is, who God is, who he isn't. And, and the reality is what, what John's tuning into as the test is the gospel. He's tuning into the gospel. Paul does the same thing. He, he talks to the Galatians in, in Galatians chapter 1, and, and the reality is they had been tempted by some other teachers who were saying, you know, the gospel's great, but let's add a few things to it. You know, Jesus plus a few other things, that's how you get saved. And, and he goes and he says, no, 
The gospel is the only thing. The gospel is the standard. It's the measure of spirituality. And he says in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, even if we, even if I come to your house or an, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let me put it more forcefully. Let him be condemned. Paul goes so far as to say, if, if someone comes to you and says that they, they speak on behalf of God, but they don't hold up to what? The standard of the gospel. Let them be accursed. If I, Paul says, come to you and I start saying things, but it's not according to the standard of the gospel, let me be accursed. John is saying the same thing. John is not saying, guys, listen to me because I'm awesome. He's saying, listen to me because I've heard the gospel and the gospel is the standard. See, I, I, I fear for us, family, is that, that we will pursue experiences, we will pursue a feeling, we will pursue an emotional response, we will pursue a sense of peace. How many times have I heard this? You know, you know if you have peace about it, then it's of God. The problem with that is the Bible says that the heart is deceptive above all things. So your heart, my heart, will have peace oftentimes about bad things. It doesn't say that the standard of spirituality is how you feel about it. It feels good. It feels good to drink cola, and it is bad for me. I remember how my teeth used to feel afterwards. I'm sure that was not good. Our feelings are not the measure of spirituality. The gospel is the measure, measure of spirituality. So he says, test everything by the gospel. Paul gives us a helpful, we need to know the gospel in order to test against it. And he, Paul gives us a, a helpful little summary in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. He says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas or Peter and to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers. So the components of this is, and he uses some shorthand that I'm going to fill out. He says, I delivered to you as, as first importance, Christ died for our sins. Christ is shorthand for Jesus Christ, the God who became man, who, who stood in the line of David, who is our authority, who was the anointed one of God. Christ came the Son of God, equal with the Father, took on human flesh, and what? He died to pay the penalty of our sins. Family, that's, that's, this is where we start when it comes to standards of morality, standards of spirituality. Jesus, he rose again from the dead, proving that he was righteous and not deserving of death. When you and I die, we die. And apart from the work of God, we stay died. We stay dead. I did that intentionally, but it didn't sound good after I said it. You win some, you lose some. Anyways, um, he died. He rose again. And the, the good news is that we can be reconciled to God, not because of our own efforts, not because of our own righteousness, but because we trust in Jesus in his atoning or, or penalty-paying death. This is the gospel by which we test the spirits. When you're at work and someone comes in and they bring the secret, and they're like, I've been reading this book and, uh, you know, it just says, 
You know, you're just going to, universe, manifest money for me. You know, I'm going to believe good things about my job. I'm going to talk to my supervisor. Awesome things are going to happen. Test that against scripture. Test it against the gospel. What does the gospel say? Jesus died for your sins. Jesus is Lord. The universe is not Lord. You are not Lord. You don't manifest nothing. You pray. We pray every day. I, I pray for God's provision. You know what I don't do? God, give it to me. I don't give God orders. Or if I do, I repent because that's sin. This is how we test false teaching. The false teachers denied the fact that Jesus was truly human. If, if, gospel was, if the gospel was a Jenga tower, the false teachers had pulled out too many blocks. Right? This is, this is what, there are components to the gospel. Jesus, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, his humanity, his divinity. These are aspects of the gospel. The fact that he is God, he is sent from God, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. These are aspects of our faith that if you start to pull them out, it all falls down. The gospel is the measure of true spirituality. Whether or not something seems spiritual has very little to do with whether we are really connecting with God. And I say that, family, because, I mean, I, I was in the bookstore, and man, if I didn't see a lot of books on witchcraft. And, and not like when I was growing up witchcraft, which was like, ooh, that's bad. You know, pointy hat, green nose, witchcraft is bad. But the kind of books that, that invite people into sin, invite people into foolishness, invite people into error. We live in a world where people seek spirituality without authority. And if you don't hold to this gospel, you will find yourself going down the river with others because that is our fallen nature. The gospel is the measure of true spirituality. Do you want to connect with God? Go to the gospel. Do you want, do you want to experience the presence of God? Go to the gospel. Do you want to be cleansed of your sins? Do you want to feel free and, and unburdened don't go out into nature and try to meditate your problems away. I keep talking about that. Nature is great. Go into nature. Go hike. Do whatever. Just don't worship nature. Don't worship the universe. Go to God, the one who paid for your sins. Confess your sins. Repent and receive forgiveness from him. Anyone who wants to feel spiritual, anyone who offers spirituality, spirituality and connected with God offers a way to be right but disregards the false. Or disregard, let me just start over. Anyone who offers a way to feel spiritual or connected with God offer, or offers a way to be right but disregards the gospel is a false teacher. Any coworker who says to you, I got, I got the secret to feeling perfectly fine. I don't, I've got the secret to feeling free. I've got the secret, 3 a.m. I've got the secret to, you know, you need the, the juicinator. I mean, I'm not even kidding. Materialism. You go, to, you go to the mall, you go to Leesburg Outlet, and you, if I just get these, this one outfit, these, this parachute, I'm going to be tested against the gospel. Do these things, do these things cleanse you of your sins? No. Exactly, they're shoes. <laughs> shoes don't do that. A lot of shoes don't even fit right. Anyways, where are we going, guys? Come on, what's happening? All right. 
Verses 1, 2, and 3. We're, we're there. We're almost done. Anyone, oh, no, we're moving there. Just as there are differences between true and false spirituality, John is going to give us a picture of what that looks like. He says in verse 4, little children, you are from God and you've overcome You've overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. We've overcome the world. And what he's saying is, if you're here, give yourself a pat on the back. Not because you're awesome, as awesome as I think you guys are, but the reason that we've overcome is because of what? He who is in the world. Or not, no, he who is in, in us is greater than he who is in the world. This is being recorded, man. He goes on in verse 5 and says, They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. You know, there are a lot of people who claim to be spiritual who will look very successful. Their churches are huge. Their books are being sold by the millions. And if you, if you try to d- decide whether or not someone is successful by how much money they have, how nice they look, how, I mean, that, that's, that's the way the world views success. That, that's why Israel failed when they picked Saul. Israel was looking for, they, they were looking around at other kingdoms, and they're like, they have kings, they have kings, they have kings. All we have is this prophet that speaks on behalf of God. We want a king. We want a king. And they whined at God. And they got a king. And you know who they picked? They picked the tallest, most handsome guy, Saul. And he was a train wreck. Because the way that we look at success, the way that we measure success is not according to the gospel. It's according to what looks nice. Oh, he's attractive. He's tall. He's handsome. He looks like a winner. He's got a broad, you know, it's great. You know. But, but God says, no, that's not, that's not the standard. They speak from the world, therefore they speak. I'm sorry. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Do you want to know if you're being spiritual? Have you been obeying your Bible? Do you want to know if you're being spiritual in a moment? Are you obeying God? I say that to myself. I'm a pastor. And some days of the week, I have to look at my life and say, you know what? I'm not being spiritual. I'm being very unspiritual. And, and, and the challenge, family, <laughs> is that we, we, we so often, we want, we want something that's, that's got fireworks. We're going to be celebrating fireworks. I want spirituality that has fireworks. And God says, you know what? I just want you to have spirituality that just walks every day, that does what it's supposed to. There's nothing fancy about obedience. It doesn't look cool. All the kids are like, you're right, it's not, it's not, we've all been kids. It doesn't feel fun to obey. But that's true spirituality. It doesn't feel fun to admit that I'm a sinner and that I need saving that I can't provide but that's true spirituality. We want to be able to say, what can I do to be awesome? What can I do to be amazing? And the gospel is, Jesus has already done it. Now, there are things that we are supposed to do. There are awesome things that God calls us to, 
but they're awesome things that, that he calls us to do in his power for his glory and our joy. So he compares those, whoever knows God listens to us, whoever does not know God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What have I said today? RC Cola. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Just open your eyes, go to, look on TV and, and see how many appeals to authority are made. How many, how many, uh, Commands are made on your life. Do this, live this way, be this, buy this, because I know better. Because this is will make your life better. They may not be outright, outright denials of who Jesus Christ is, but many of them are, are claiming to say, you know what, I know the best. I know the best. And when you see that, stop and say, you know what, how is that taking apart the gospel? How is that taking apart my trust and my faith in Jesus, who is my provider? He's my, my uh, healer. He's the one who takes away my sin. He's the one who strengthens me. Test every spirit. Test my teachings. Test the, the podcast that you listen to in addition to me. Test the, you know, the, the church down the street that, that you listen to their podcast. Test it. Against, not against how it makes you feel, not against how, how, how fancy the person speaking is. Not against how many, you know, millions of books have been sold and how many positive reviews that are on Amazon. Test it against what Scripture says. This is our standard. And if we ever diverge from it, we, we find ourselves in a dangerous place. But the good news is, is that God loves us and he's given us his standard. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we thank you we thank you that you don't leave us without a test. You don't leave us without uh, a way of, of telling the difference between RC Cola and the real thing. That you don't, you don't leave us blind. God, but you've given us your Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, and you've given us your word, and you've given us your gospel, which is the standard by which we measure all truth. God, I pray that we would, be, we would be able to see clearly when the world tries to present an alternative. That we'd be able to see that, that other forms of spirituality, other forms of, of being right, being whole, being at peace, being in harmony, all these other things, though they might not speak in terms that the Bible uses, they address issues that the Bible also addresses and that we might be able to say no to that which is false and say yes to that which is true. God, I pray that we would know this gospel so well, that we'd be so well acquainted with you and your work in our life that there'd be no question. We could taste it on our tongue and say, that's not real. God, I pray that we would taste and see as your psalmist says that the Lord is good. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, perhaps you've, you've trusted in something else in your life. You've trusted in your own ability. You've trusted in your own reasoning. But now you realize, I am a sinner in need of salvation. Then today's your day to respond. If that's you, if you want to respond, just put your hand up so I know I can pray in faith with you. If you're online, you can 
click the button and let us know. Just pray this, God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin, rebellion, disobedience to you, and I turn to you trusting Jesus that you are the standard of spirituality, you are the measure of godliness, and that you died on the cross for my sins in my place. God, I wanna live a life in response to the faith I have in you. Help me hold closely to your gospel message, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Love you, family. Happy 4th. We'll see you in a few.